Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Psychics can see the color of time. It's blue. <laughs> okay. So, I, I'd kind of love to know what, what that one's from. What it's from? Do some research. I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you after the show if you remind me. All right. I, I always say that I'll tell you and I never tell you because I always forget by the time we're done recording. Tell me what. There's the trivia for you, folks. So today we thought we would look at something. Actually, it was Chris's suggestion that we look into this particular topic, which was uh, the 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 topic of image sensors and what they do and what the, the two main types of image sensors, how they are different from one another. And, uh, and I thought it was a great idea. It's also a fairly complex topic. We do have an article on HowStuffWorks.com that says, what is the difference between CCD and CMOS image sensors in a digital camera? And that's really what we're going to be talking about here. Um, so that there is an article on the site, and it's a nice short article if you want a quick overview. But we're going to go into some 
detail a little bit uh, in this podcast. And really, the first thing you need to know is that an image sensor is it's taking the place of film. Right. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, a long, long time ago, in a galaxy that happens to be right here where we're sitting, uh, we did an, uh, a podcast on the uh, megapixel myth. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I think a lot of people equate uh, numbers with a way quality. to yeah, with quality, and yeah. they say, "Oh, well, I've got a, a twelve megapixel camera. That's obviously better than that six megapixel camera I used to own." Well, it depends on what you're doing with the photo, um, and it also depends on. Again, the other qualities of that camera. Right. And image sensors have a lot more to do with uh, the quality of the photo. But in a way, it, it really depends because, again, this, uh, there, there's this, this idea that there are two different kinds. Which kind is better? It depends on what you're doing with that. What are you taking photos of? Um, and uh, as it turns out, there's, they're not really better than one another inherently they're they're better than one another for specific applications of the photographic technology and the quality of the two sensors mm-hmm. is constantly getting closer and closer so that the things that one sensor does better than the other start to become less distinct over time because the technology is improving on both sides simultaneously uh now if we were to go back a little bit to the early days of digital cameras the distinction was was uh, clear. You know, you would say that well, a professional photographer would more likely have a CCD image sensor in his or her camera. Yeah, CCD and, meaning charge coupled device. Yes, charge coupled device. That's that's one of the two types. Mm-hmm. And someone who has say a relatively inexpensive, of course, back in the early days of digital cameras. That was definitely relative. Only $8 billion. Yeah, only $1,000. A princely sum. Yes, a, th- a princely, <laughs> going back to that, $1,000 as opposed to, say, $8,000. Mm-hmm. But a, a person holding one of those cameras might have a CMOS or a complementary metal oxide semiconductor image sensor. Yes, they come up and say, that's a wonderful shirt you're wearing today. That's, that's a, such a great picture you've taken. Have you lost weight? No, it's not that kind of complimentary. I have a whole joke about that, but I'm going to spare everybody because we've already said the punchline. Okay. Anyway, these are the two different sensors, and they do go about capturing data a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's go into the basic way a camera captures an image. We're, I'm going to talk about still camera here. Okay. All so right? we're, we're talking about cameras in general, not yes. necessarily film or digital? Right. Okay. So in general, what happens is you've got a camera and you're pointing it at something that you want to take a photo of. Mm-hmm. Light is coming toward you. It's reflecting off of the the subject of your photo. Right. If light were not reflecting off the subject of your photo, it would either mean you were in total darkness, in which case taking a photo is not very helpful, or you're taking a picture of a black hole. Okay. Because not even light can escape it. That being said, they're actually looking at making a physical picture of a black hole using radio telescopes, which is so cool. That's a tangent. Anyway, so light is coming from I think the he subject. Was a little bit. It is awesome. <laughs> We should do a full podcast just on that. Okay. But anyway, light's coming that. from from the subject toward the camera. And uh, and the light passes through the lens. The purpose of the lens is to focus that light mm-hmm. toward a specific point within the camera. It moves through the aperture, which is the opening behind the lens that allows light to pass through. Uh, there's a shutter that's there. 
uh, behind the aperture, uh, which actually directs the light up toward the viewfinder for the old style cameras. You know, ones that don't have the you know, you're not looking at a screen mm-hmm. on the back. You're looking actually through a viewfinder. Well, that light gets directed up by a mirror mm-hmm. that's uh, essentially attached to the shutter that makes the light go up inside the camera. Then it hits a prism, which inverts the light because uh, you may not know this, but the light, the image that's coming in that's hitting the sensor is actually upside down from our perspective. Gasp. So if you didn't have that prism there, the subject you're looking at would be upside down. It would be like everything you're taking photos of was in Australia. Australia. I knew that was coming. Unless you're Australian, in which case it's all in Detroit. So <laughs> that's the, that. If you're wondering why there's all these giant uh, car factories in Australia, it's not. It's just because you didn't have Your that prism broken. in there, right? Yeah. Um, okay, that's a terrible joke. But no, the prism <laughs> does invert the light. Okay. So, <laughs> otherwise, again, upside down. So, when you press the the button to capture an image, yeah, the shutter, the release. shutter, the shutter release, exactly. The shutter, the shutter moves out of the way, and instead of the light hitting that mirror and going up to the prism and inverting, the light hits either film in a film camera mm-hmm. or an image sensor in a digital camera. Right. Uh, so, really, the shutter just moves out of the way. And then the light hits the sensor, and then you're good to go. Mm-hmm. It's a little different with the the digital cameras that are out right now, but that's in general how the process works. The basics. Yeah. Now, in, in, with cameras now, light may be hitting the sensor constantly, and the shutter itself is not a physical shutter. Mm-hmm. It's just the way that the um, the sensor captures data, and we'll talk about that when we get to that point. Uh, there are two different major types of shutters that we can talk about. So that's the general process. Now, with film, it's a chemical process. Light hits the film, and then some chemical reactions take place, and that's what allows you to capture an image. Right. With image sensors, it's not chemical. No. It's electrical. Right. You're converting light energy into an electronic signal. Yes. Which and then you're going to want to store to some medium. Yes. Uh you know, typically some kind of flash memory device, um, yes. depending on, on what kind of uh, camera you have. You know, there were some, I think, that, that uh, stored on CD. So, you know, yeah, yeah. your mileage may vary, but in general, some sort of flash device on, on today's cameras. Yeah, the old digital uh, camcorders mm-hmm. could record on, on different kinds of media. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and digital camcorders are working under the same general principles as digital still cameras. Yes. Uh, with some, you know, other differences, but we'll talk about sure, that, like sure. I said. So now we get into the differences between the two major types of sensors, the mm-hmm. charge-coupled device and the complementary metal oxide semiconductor. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to go do CCD and CMOS from here on out, I think. Okay, no problem. Because otherwise I'm just going to have tongue twisters for the rest of the podcast. Yes, well, I just wanted to make sure that people knew what it what it stood for. Obviously, very important. So in, in a CCD sensor... Mm-hmm. Uh, Every single pixel, now pixel, remember, is a point of light. Right. An image is made up of pixels, millions of pixels. That's where the megapixel Megapixel. comes from, right? Mm -hmm. So a 12 megapixel camera is going to take 12 megapixels worth of pixels in within the dimensions of that image. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whereas an 8 megapixel camera will use fewer pixels for that same size. Right. But uh, and that's where our idea about resolution comes in. Sometimes we you hear people talk about a low resolution image. It may be that it's 
got fewer pixels in that image so that uh, you, you can actually start seeing if, if the pixels are large enough and few enough, you can start seeing the borders mm-hmm. from one pixel to the next. It's not very smooth. It's almost jagged. Well, yeah. I mean, that this is the, the benefit of having uh, a, a high megapixel camera. If you shoot it high quality, then you are capturing more pe- more pixels for a specific region of the image, and yep. you can you can uh, render that photo in a larger format. Yes, um, because when you shrink it, when you when you compress the size of a photo and, and reduce it in size, um, the computer is able to you know throw out unnecessary information, and that the image still is pretty good looking. Mm-hmm. When you try to increase the size. The computer has to sort of guess uh, on you know pixel by pixel basis. Well, I mean, this color is sort of a brown color. It looks like I could throw something else in here similar. And that's why when you increase the size of a photo, uh, a digital photo, that it starts to look kind of jaggedy and rough um, because the computer is having to guess at what that information is. So if you take a, a 10 megapixel photo and shrink it down, it's it's going to look pretty good. But if you try to take a 2 megapixel photo and blow it up, it's not going to be so pretty. Yeah, if you think about it like a, a puzzle, mm-hmm. let's say that you have a puzzle that has four pieces to it. Well, then you're going to be able to see the division of those those four pieces very clearly. Yes. Uh, if it has four million pieces, then it's each of those pieces are individually much tinier than those four giant ones. Mm-hmm. That's uh, the other issue is that the larger you blow something up, if it's if it doesn't have enough mega, uh, pixels in it, not megapixels, but enough pixels, mm-hmm. then you're going to start to notice. But that being said, uh, the general digital cameras that are out there for the consumer market and the general way the consumers use digital cameras, megapixels really don't matter because most of us are not blowing images up to poster size. Right. Most of us are using them for online photo albums. We might print a few out, but usually 8 by 10 tends to be about the largest because yeah. most people don't have printers capable of printing at a larger size. Yeah, and when so, you take it to somebody to have it printed, it's kind of expensive. Yeah, you know, so a poster. Most of us don't do that. So most of us don't need to worry about megapixels at this point. Professional photographers, it's a different sure story. Sure. So CCD sensor, each of those pixels uh, has a charge. The mm-hmm. the photons that are coming in and hitting that image sensor are being transferred from from a, a light energy from photons into electrons. Mm-hmm. Uh, now. Uh, they have a, a, a there's an output node with a CCD sensor where that is converted into a voltage. It's buffered and then sent to a different part of the camera so that it will become an analog signal. Right. So a CCD sensor it's a very it's a very uh, uh, specific device that doesn't. It, it doesn't have a lot of other functionality to it apart from the fact that it's taking in light and converting it into voltage. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the pixel is completely devoted to capturing light, and it has a very uniform output. So the that's that's sort of where the the idea of CCD being high quality came from. Uh, it was very good at capturing uh, the, the true essence of whatever it is you're pointing your camera at. You don't mm-hmm. have to have a you don't have to worry about low lighting effects, that kind of stuff. Or or having uh, an image turn out too grainy if the light is too low, which can happen with CMOS images, particularly from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. It's uh depending on 
where you, you know where the manufacturer for your camera got the CMOS uh, sensor, uh, you might not have as big an issue taking low l- lighting uh, images. But if you've ever used a digital camera in a you know either a dark or just a dim environment, and you look and you're like, this just doesn't look good. Now when I take a photo outside in the middle of the daytime, it looks gorgeous, beautiful yeah. colors, <laughs> very very uh, distinct. Um, that's part of the problem is that the CMOS sensor captures it in a different way. In that case, every single pixel has its own uh, charge to voltage conversion. The CCD, it's doing all of the pixels at once. In CMOS, it's doing each pixel individually. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the sensor itself has other elements added to it that the CCD sensor does not have. Yeah. Remember we said CCD kind of offloads the the information once it's been converted into electrical impulses Mm -hmm. to other chips, right? Mm -hmm. Well, those elements are actually on a CMOS sensor. So it's got amplifiers, it's got uh, digitization circuits, so it's actually converting the electricity into bits on the sensor Mm -hmm. itself. Uh, It's got noise reduction capabilities. And so that means that it actually speeds up the process and Mm -hmm. it decreases the amount of space you need within a camera because all of those elements are found on a single chip as opposed to having dedicated chips for these these uh, specific functions. Yep. Unfortunately, it also reduces the amount of space it has for image capture because all that stuff is on the same chip. Yes. So that that, you know, that's a downside of it. Yes. So you that was one of the arguments again early on was that CCD cameras could take sharper photos than CMOS cameras. And that, you know, it was almost, there was also an expense issue, right? CCD image sensors tend to be more expensive Mm -hmm. than CMOS ones. Uh, CMOS, the the process of manufacturer got so efficient that the price started to come down. Mm -hmm. And that's why those are the sort of image sensors that you find in things like smartphones. Mm -hmm. You know, smartphones that have cameras tend to have CMOS sensors in them. They take up less space. They put out less heat. They take less energy to run. Um, and they're very fast. Mm-hmm. So those are all the qualities that people who are having a, who, who want something in a nice slim form factor are, that's what's important to them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a CCD s- image sensor might take uh, a sharper quality photo in certain situations, but it's also going to require a larger form factor and it does take more energy to run. Mm-hmm. And that, that energy is going to also mean more heat. Yes. Because as we know, as electricity runs through a circuit, one of the byproducts is heat. Mm-hmm. We haven't figured out a way to get around that yet. It's just one of those one of those realities that it's uh, um, basically it's inefficient enough where some of the energy is being converted to heat energy instead of you know what it is intended for. Right. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. 
and you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. So, so the, now we've got down to the, the idea of these two different image sensors capturing uh, information in different ways. Um, and the fact that over time, both mm-hmm. both types of sensors have developed to the point where the differences between the two, apart from the fundamental difference about how they collect information, mm-hmm. have started to, to diminish. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So that you can find some professional cameras out there now that use CMOS image sensors. Whereas, you know, a few years ago, that was really unheard of. Right. And you can also find some consumer uh, cameras, especially in the camcorder realm, that are using CCD image sensors, which, again, for a while, you just didn't hear about because CCD cameras were so expensive. It was pretty much reserved for professionals. Mm-hmm. You know, just consumers just didn't necessarily have the money to drop on something like that unless they were, you know, one percenters. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's 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 still a developing thing, and we're still seeing that kind of level out. Mm-hmm. But the, and the two technologies do still exist; they coexist. So it's not like one has been abandoned on top of uh, in favor of the other. Although that tends to there be, there's usually someone predicting that every few years. Well, sure, sure. Um, yeah, a lot of the research that I did for the podcast was uh, from uh, Teledyne Dalsa, which makes mm-hmm. which makes both types of sensors, and they had some really uh, interesting uh, comparative 
white papers and other information if you're interested in getting into the depths of it. It, it got some of it got fairly complicated. Um, but basically, they they had uh, one paper that said that there uh, that image sensors can be measured on uh, basically eight different characteristics, um, and these were uh, responsivity. You know, basically how responsive the the sensor is, uh, its dynamic range, uh, uniformity, shuttering, um, speed, windowing, and anti blooming. Um, and you know, again, this is kind of com- you know complex, but the the uh, it, it's kind of funny because the the way that the image sensor captures information, um, you know, depending on the type that you're talking about, they're not really. Uh, it's really application specific. Um, some of them, some of them, uh, really don't have that much difference over the others. Like, for example, um, CMOS chips are known to be a little bit more responsive. Um, but CCDs are, have an advantage in dynamic range. But basically, they didn't say, you know, the, this one chip is better than the others. It, they said it has more to do with the manufacturing capability and whether the chip is done right and is used in the correct setting than it does um, you know, for a particular type of technology. Right. And you were menti- mentioning the fact that there are different shutters. Uh, in yes. general, a CMOS image sensor uses a rolling shutter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, there's nothing saying that it couldn't use the same sort of shutter that a CCD image sensor does, which is mm-hmm. a global shutter. There's nothing saying that it couldn't. It's just that all the camcorders I looked at specifically, because uh, I was this really plays more into video than than uh, uh, still photography, although it, there's some out- crossover between the two. Um, it said that you could have a CMOS with mm-hmm. a global shutter. It's just that you don't find those. So what's the difference between a global shutter and a rolling shutter? Well, a rolling shutter to me, I, when I the first I read about this, the first mm-hmm. thing I thought about was um, a, a copier or a scanner mm-hmm. where the image sensor you put the the document. On the uh, on the screen, you close the um, the top, the lid, and you tell it to go ahead and make a copy or make a scan of it. And the image sensor travels down the length of the document from the top to the bottom, or right. you know, however Left you put it right on there, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And and it is going, you know, from it's starting at a specific point and capturing the entire document as it travels the length of it. And uh, you know, because it's going essentially line by line. If you think about that in pixel terms, it's taking a row of pixels and then another row of pixels and then another, you know, as it goes down. Right. Yeah. I was thinking of it sort of the way television works. Yes. Where it'll, it'll, uh, you have a, a, a line by line from the top to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll ignore the interpolation part. Right. Otherwise right, we right. have to get really complicated. But anyway, the, the image is painted essentially on your screen from yeah. the top to the bottom mm-hmm. at a rate that's so fast that your eye does not detect that. It looks like it's all simultaneously projected to you. But it's actually done line by line from the top of the screen to the bottom of the screen. Same thing with a rolling shutter. So when you take a, a photo or you're using a camcorder, let's stick with camcorders. Sure. Uh, so you, if you're using a camcorder that has a rolling shutter type of image sensor, so we're talking CMOS, uh, the the image is being recorded from the top to the bottom over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, with a CCD camera, it's a global shutter, which means that it's capturing all that data all at once. Yes, sort of like film would. Yeah, so it's not... It's not... um, you know, it's not something that's going to be scrolling. It's all one image. So this means that the two different types of image sensors are also prone to two different kinds of 
flaws that can happen when you're using them. Uh, well, of course. I mean, that's that's like any other types of technology. Not everything is suited for every use. Right. So let's say that uh, let's. I'll talk about the different flaws that you can find. Okay. CCD essentially has one type of flaw that you can encounter, which is called the smear effect. Ah, yes. So smearing is. Let's say that you've got uh, a a. Uh, you're taking an image of something that has a bright light in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Smearing is this effect where you sort of see uh, the light you, – you'll see like a projection of light above and below it or mm-hmm. it'll – It's this, that's why it's called smear. It's It's been uh, extended beyond just the source of light itself. It's kind of like a halo effect, though usually it's more of a – at least in the, the samples I've looked at, it's more of a vertical thing. Where it looks like it's almost like a, a, a ray of light that goes straight up and down the the uh, the screen from the source. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's one of the things that CCD image sensors can fall victim to, but not uh, CMOS. And it's all because that global shutter exposes that image, the the whole image simultaneously, mm-hmm. and it's all uh, gathering that light. And once the predetermined um, shutter speed for that global shutter uh, has elapsed, it stops gathering light, turns that that entire exposure into an electronic image, and then starts again. And um, the rolling shutter just doesn't have that same effect, so the the smear does not happen mm-hmm. with that. And uh, it's you know it's very noticeable if you see the 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 effects of this, you'd think, oh, well, that's unfortunate that there's this weird shaft of light right there in the middle of the mm-hmm. of the frame. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's it for the CCD. Okay, that's okay. the that's the one flaw that CCD image sensors can uh, can fall victim to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, there, the one known thing the, that people complain the about. The one thing that people complain about. Right. There are three three different ones for CMOS. Mm-hmm. The first is called skew. Okay. Okay, so you've got this rolling shutter, and it's going from top to bottom as it's recording images. Now, this shutter is going off uh, multiple times per second. Mm-hmm. But let's say that you are panning the camera very, very quickly from one side to another, so you're changing the view. Well, you're having a rolling shutter and you're panning the camera. This can cause the idea of skew. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. 
Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins. Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. So let's say that you have something that's uh, that's significant, you know, a big thing that's in the frame of the photo, maybe, maybe like a tower. Okay. All right. So you've got a tower in the frame of your image and you quickly pan from left to right. Well, as you're panning, that shutter is rolling. And if your pan is fast enough, then the shutter is actually going to start building an image where the pixels at the top of the image are further on one side than the pixels that are at the bottom of that image. Mm hmm because it's not capturing all that data simultaneously. The outcome of that is that you get a skewed image when the the output image itself is skewed Mm -hmm. so that tower which might be perfectly straight when you look at it when you start looking back at the video and you're playing it back really slowly Mm -hmm. it suddenly looks like it's leaning or it's diagonal it's like that you know it's suddenly not it's not true anymore now i understand what's wrong with all those vacation pictures i took in pisa yeah exactly that's the that's it you know it's no it's not it at all but anyway that's that effect is because of that rolling shutter. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, a global shutter would not have that problem because it's taking all that image, you know, it's taking all the information all at once. Right. The rolling shutter is taking it bit by, you know, line by line. And again, it's only if you're panning very quickly because it's this is going so many times per second that if you're doing a nice slow pan, it's it's not noticeable. Also, you're more likely to prevent the kind of nausea that's <laughs> Associated with the the quick panning effect. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to more. So there's of an that. advantage, a human advantage to that too. Next is the wobble. Yes. So you know, weebles don't have this problem. No, this is this well, they is wobble. But <laughs> wobble is when you get sort of a weird, stretchy or rubbery look to stuff that's going on in the video, mm-hmm. and it tends to happen with handheld footage. Right. right. Because you're when you're holding the camera, you don't have that steady 
base that you would if you were using a tripod. So let's say like a found footage film, mm-hmm. which are becoming more and more popular these days. Sure. So something like along the lines of Blair Witch or Cloverfield or, or one of those movies. One or, of or, those movies. Or VHS made by friends of mine. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> it, it just uh, it just premiered over at Sundance. Um, <clears throat> that's a shout out to my buddies. Anyway, so same sort of thing. It's it's because of that rolling shutter. The information's being captured line by line. If your camera's not steady, then and if it's moving around quite a bit and at a fairly fast pace, then it's the the images are not going to be uh, they're not going to be uh, clear. They're mm-hmm. going to end up having this wobbly, stretchy look. So let's say you're panning uh, down. So you've got you you maybe you've got you're looking at the top of that tower, mm-hmm. and you start panning down very very quickly to say simulate a fall. Okay. So uh, we're panning down very very quickly. That rolling shutter is going up uh, from the top to the bottom very quickly. As you are going down, the shutter is going to uh, if you're matching the shutter speed or getting close to the shutter speed. It's going to make that building stretch out. Mm-hmm. It's going to look very odd. Um, and so that's another one of those issues. And again, the global shutter doesn't have that problem because it's not it's not capturing information the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, there's partial exposure. Partial exposure happens when uh, light is hitting the shutter or the, the image sensor at a very particular moment and it, and the light is hitting it just fast enough so that when the rolling shutter starts, the light's not there. But before the rolling shutter has finished its its uh, journey across the image sensor, the light has come and gone, which means that part of your image is going to be much brighter than the rest of your image. Mm-hmm. So if you think about your image as, uh, let's say you're taking a picture of, say, a poster. Mm-hmm. All right, you got okay. a, you're looking at a poster. And there's a flash that goes off as you are taking your image. And the flash is moving at a speed. It's a very quick flash. It's moving at a speed that's faster than the rolling uh, shutter is. Mm-hmm. Um, when you actually look at that picture, when you're looking at the poster in the back, it's going to look like there's this one band of the poster that's much more brightly lit than the rest of the poster. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the moment when that flash hit the image sensor as the rolling shutter was going down the, the sensor. Mm-hmm. So this is another issue. You have to work with your lighting in order to avoid it. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it can, if you're using a flash that's a longer based flash, you don't have to worry as much. This is why, partially why anyway, part of it is because it's most of the, the smartphone, uh, flashes are LEDs. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it's also part of why if you ever take a photo with a smartphone that uses an LED flash, it tends to last a while. It's because if it didn't, then your all your images would come out with this weird banding issue, right? And you don't want bands in your in your pictures unless you're at a concert. <laughs> I'll be taking some tonight. Awesome! I'm gonna go see. They might be giants. <laughs> and that's a shout out to they might be giants. Yeah, uh, everyone's getting <laughs> shout outs today. Apparently it's, so. It's free plug day on tech stuff. <laughs> Well, you know, a lot of stuff on tech stuff requires a plug. <laughs> yes, it's true. Uh, not everything's battery operated. So, uh, yeah, the the CCD is only prone to the the smear issue, whereas CMOS has those other three. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, but if all you of have these, a 
decent camera, you shouldn't have, you know, and are, are taking precautions. You shouldn't yes. have to worry about it. Exactly. Yeah. If you if you know what you're doing, you can get around these problems. Yeah. It's just that these are the ones that are the cameras are prone to based upon the technology they use. Mm-hmm. So it's not that every single image you're going to take, or even even like a, a significant percentage of the images you'll take will have problems associated with these issues that I've talked about. Uh, but some of them might. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they they have those is because of the technology itself. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, you just little basic tricks that you can do, you know, just for example, using a tripod whenever you can helps a lot. Yeah. Uh, it'll it'll really remove a lot of this. Also, you know, most of most people aren't <laughs> running around and jerking the camera left and right so fast that these are really coming into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're using Instagram, really, you've made your image look so crappy already. You don't need Ooh. to worry about these effects. Nice. That's that's just a joke, mostly. All right. All right. My wife uses Instagram. Oh, I see. A lot. <laughs> like, ah, what a lovely old-timey photo of the space shuttle. I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, so which... Which is better? Yeah, it really kind of it really does depend on what kind of photography you're going to be doing. Yeah, um, you know, probably the the biggest difference is whether you're doing still photography or or video. Yeah, and most of the time when you're shopping for cameras, the type of sensor that's in it is not necessarily the easiest information for you to find out. Yeah, uh, although it does pay to to look into that if you can and and actually do some research on the sensor itself because. Like we said, the sensor and the lens of the camera mm-hmm. is going to have a lot more to do with the quality of the images that you get using that camera than how many megapixels it has. Yeah. So even if you go out there and you buy a 12-megapixel camera and your buddy has an 8-megapixel camera, your buddy's images may be may look sharper and more vibrant than yours. Again, not to do with the megapixels. It's more about the lens and the sensor. Yeah. And of course, if you're you're planning on dropping a lot of coin on a, a new camera, it probably would be a good idea if you read some reviews from professionals to give yes. you an idea of uh, what to expect and to see if, if other people are using it the same way you will be um, to, to really get an idea of how, you know, whether it's going to suit your needs. And that's the most important thing. Very good. Yes. Uh, good advice from Mr. Pellett. I think we should probably wrap this up because uh, our, our guest producer, Liz, is out there and she's a photographer and she's probably about ready to explode with all the information we've given and, and say, well, actually. Well, she hasn't screamed at us yet. No, so. I no, but I, I've seen like a couple of things fly at us through the uh, the curtain. So she's just not. She's, luckily, she throws like a girl. So Ooh. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Actually, <laughs> she could probably beat me. Oh, <laughs> I'm hearing noises now. I take that back. <laughs> Girls throw really hard, which is harder than I can anyway. So let's wrap this up while I, I shove my foot further into my mouth. If you guys have any comments or questions or suggestions for us, you can let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw. Or send us an email. Our address is techstuff at discovery.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House to Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House to Work's iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. 
Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.